0: we <laughs> episode of Naked Men Talking, a podcast exploring naturism and the power of getting your clothes off. I'm Gareth Johnson. On today's episode, we're joined by Susie Kruger. Susie is the powerhouse behind Hard On, an iconic sex party in London. Susie, welcome.
1: Oh, great to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Now, I want to sort of get into your backstory because you arrived in London in the late 80s and you started running club nights and initially it was women-only events and then you moved into sort of mixed events. Was it a natural progression to move into the world of men-only events?
1: Well, um, my events aren't men only. Um, some of them are, depending what country I'm in. In the UK, where we had the majority of our events, it's not men only, um, but I just want to say that. But everyone just assumes that it is. So it was probably a natural progression because when, you know, I've been doing this for 33 years, so there's been several parties, but when Harlem came about in 2003, it was 50-50. 50% men, 50% women. And then we kind of changed the music policy and hard house and techno kind of went out of fashion. Now it's back, but went out of fashion. And the women just drifted away, sadly. There was like a hardcore leather fetishy, kinky dyke scene and they just kind of moved on. And the men still, you know, it just sort of went like, Do you know what I mean? It kind of just went like
0: that. Yeah, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was just the way things
1: panned out. No. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. But now we, I, I don't even know if there is any sort of, Leather women scene in London. I think, I mean, I'm so f- detached from it, so I don't really know. But there was a hard crew group then, yeah.
0: BDSM and leather and kink have been the sort of consistent theme throughout your parties, haven't they? You know, across the decades almost. And you said mm-hmm. at some point that uh, it was your first experience of that was in New York in the late '70s. And I guess was that sort of the formative experience for you that really sort of set the bar in terms of this is what a queer party looks like.
1: No. That it just it's just um I don't even know how to explain that it it wasn't at the bar it was experience that I had but I probably went to places like Hellfire which was a really hardcore after hours SM club where an eighteen year old lesbian shouldn't have been <laughs> yes. but I went and it was truly an experience I mean some of the things I saw there we don't even do in my club. um, <laughs> It was just because I was hanging around New York City and we couldn't get home on the train to New Jersey, so my friends are like, "Well, let's go here." And obviously, back then, it was we, you know, we went. It was in the It was in the the meat district in Manhattan, and uh, yeah. But I didn't use that as a springboard into what I, you know, into my fetish. How do I don't how explain it into my interest in fetish. Well, that that came later, sort of. Yeah, much later. And uh, the story behind that is that. I think my first time to England in London in 1988, I went to a a women's leather fetish night called Chain Reaction. And I was like, ooh, I like this. (laughs) It was an eye-opener, you know. And then I moved to England or immigrated or whatever in 1990. And it was just weird how an opportunity for someone, I've never ran a club before or didn't organize anything, how it just was an opportunity, you know, came across. And I don't know, I just took it and... It just, I don't. It grew from there. It would have never would have said to you when I was a teenager or in my twenties, "Oh, you're going to be running like a famous SM club fetish club." No,
0: it wasn't on the career guidance mood board. No,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> But oh.
0: tell me a little bit about Fist then because Fist was, you know, certain, one of your best-known parties, uh, launched in 1994. Mm. When you launched that, yep. did you have a clear vision for it? Did, did you know what you wanted to create in terms of dress code yeah. and sex-positive space? Yes,
1: we did because back then we used to go to um, – there used to be a lesbian and gay centre in Clerkenwell, um in London and it was called Sadie Mazes and it used to be on a Friday night. And so we would all go. That, but that was when the, the leather, the fetish women's scene was huge. There was some serious hardcore leather girl. Fet- you know, fetish girls are kinky dykes. And so anyway, that all went that well, All went under. And my friend Jill and I were like, well, you know, because I was already running the club um, on my own, this click club, and then an opportunity came, lots of opportunities came when these people offered me this venue. And I was like, okay, so we need to do something with the techno music that was very popular then because i worked at another club called ff and the music was banging and i thought we should put them together and really rip the head off and make it very hardcore because zadie mazes was a little bit like it was mixed it was spanky spanky and ooh, we're wearing leather whereas a bit
0: vanilla (laughs) in terms of what you knew was possible
1: they didn't have a playroom there was no sex space Uh i we bought that in and I'm sorry to blow my own trumpet, but we were the, probably the first clubs to ever do that in London. Yeah. I think the hoist came after me, if I'm not mistaken. I know they did. So we were first with the, and, you know, had a with the player. We didn't even have one to begin with. People just naturally did it. And then I moved to another club in Camberwell on my own without Jill. You know, she went to Australia and the club just exploded then. You know, I started having really artistic but hardcore shows, and then we had this space, and I just, just it just evolved into this play area with slings and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, there was nothing like that. I can guarantee you. And do you think
0: that's why it was so popular? Because there was nothing else like it. It was, you know, pushing and boundaries in terms of what was possible in London's nightlife scene.
1: I'll tell you, uh, yeah, that, and also there was no such thing as the internet.
0: Yeah. Okay. That bit. Yeah.
1: I think that plays a major part. And where we are clubbing today, although it's gotten better, we had a yeah, I could talk about that later, but then we people they didn't have any anywhere, so I was you know getting like up to a thousand people at Fist at some point, not always, but you know. Um, and then we introduced uh, sex shows, which no one else was doing, no one, and now everyone in Europe does it, yeah, it's you know, it's part of the thingy, but there was no one else, like I know that for a fact, I'm quite proud of that, that we started getting porn stars over to do the shows and no one had had anything like that in London, no.
0: What was your sort of thinking or your inspiration for, for going in that direction then? Because was that something you'd seen somewhere or it was just thought this is going to work? I
1: don't know. Yeah. I don't. we just kind of thought, I always had like little shows when I did the click club, the women's night, you know, we had like bondage and pissing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I just thought, I just carried on. And
0: somewhere it. like Hel- Hellfire had shows as well, didn't it? Well, yeah, okay, different story. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, i seen something with a dog. We don't need to talk once, about and then that. A couple of fifteen, and I was eighteen. Yeah, no, we just we just wanted we just thought it was part of the package. Yeah, and so then I, it just evolved. It was just natural. Then we were like, we would do these shows, um, and then we thought, oh, let's just do some sex shows. Yeah, and so I was getting Buck. What was his name? He had like a 13-inch dick, and he came from (laughs) the Netherlands. And he was probably one of the first shows we ever had, and it was hardcore. Blood and everything, fisting, fucking, and everyone was like. (laughs) (laughs) And that was probably like 1990s, the first sex show. We had loads of shows with um, artists from Franco B, Uh but then we really went down the sex route, and that was probably like. 97
0: and and our FIST was shut down in 2002, but it wasn't long until Correct. you were back on the scene with Hard On. That was 2003. You launched that. Was that pretty much FIST just with a different name, or were you rethinking the, the proposition sort of then?
1: We tried to create it like FIST, but I mean, it moved on. It moved on, and you know, uh, by at this point, FIST was very underground. And very hardcore fetish. And now, by now, 2000, 2003, it was becoming, you know, how to describe it? When it became popular and everyone was doing it and it was no longer on the ground. And, oh, my God, did you go to this? Wow. Oh, you're that kind of guy. No, it became much more, um, I would say the
0: word mainstream. Yeah, it's mainstream, but.
1: I don't know. What's that? What's that word? Um, a bit
0: more sort of socially acceptable as well. Like it wasn't a taboo. Maybe that so too. Much, sort of. It was. Yeah,
1: it wasn't a taboo. So I, I wasn't even going to go back to clubbing because I had uh, so much drama around the closure of fist that I didn't know what to do. Um, and I stupidly sold the logo, which is now worth a lot to someone else. Anyway, uh, this um, club owner pursued me for months. You must start a club. You must start a club. And it was like a swingers club in London Bridge called Cynthia's. And um He's like, you must start a club and do it membership only. And let's just call it Hard On. I didn't even think of the Hard On name. This guy did. And and then Cynthia's was, and it was actually, um, yeah, I don't know how to say We had playrooms. We had the DJs. But it wasn't the same energy as Fist was. No. But popular. Does that make sense? It wasn't the same energy anymore. No,
0: it totally makes sense you've talked about how sexual liberty is something that's important to you and you sort of deliberately create you know sex positive spaces where there aren't rules mm-hmm. and I guess why is that something you're passionate about
1: I'm very passionate about that to create a place where people can come and be and do what they want and be as they want and parent you know and carry on and have a good time it's very consensual though we don't have issues with um, non-consensual, you know what I mean? People, it seems to be very consensual. We attract a very friendly, good crowd. I'm so lucky. Um, So yeah, but it is very important that people can come and just do as they like. We don't patrol the back room. We don't patrol the dark room. You know what I mean? We do in terms of making sure no one's collapsed because that happens. But you know what I mean? I want people to have ultimate freedom and to express themselves and, and and have a really good time. Yeah, that's extremely important to me.
0: And 20 years of Hard On, you know, it's a, a big milestone in terms of longevity. But I guess one of the reasons, you know, that Hard On continues to be so successful is you're continually attracting new guys, younger guys. And I was wondering, is there a specific marketing initiative that helps you to do that? Or is it just people are naturally attracted to what Hard On offers?
1: I don't know. I wish that I knew because I'm always worrying about it, whether I'm not attracted enough people. What's the way that I could attract more people? I mean, Longevity is good for my reputation, that we are around, that we have a big following on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now, and, and Instagram and Facebook. And I work on social media all the time. I do a lot of parties abroad, which don't really make money, but it's good for the brand, I guess.
0: But you haven't really reinvented Hard On at any stage. Like it's evolved in terms of relaxing the dress code and things. But
1: Yeah, we no, we did. Do you think that yeah. sort of
0: being a bit more relaxed around what fetish wear looks like is helping to make it more accessible to younger people?
1: Uh, yeah, totally. They can't afford the leather or the rubber, especially the leather gear. I mean, leather jeans is what, 300 pounds? In this
0: economy? What tw- I 25-year-old. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, what 25-year-old is going to come up with that. You know, that's very rare. We changed the dress code a few years ago, and now it's changed even more, unfortunately. But, you know, I have to go with the flow. Is that It's just like a harness and a jockstrap. I mean, that's probably 80% of the dress code now, even though we try to do theme nights. Like, our next night is leather. We're still very big in the fetish scene, but, I mean, this is where the guys are at. And I'd rather have, you know, a full club where people can have a choice of sex partners as opposed to uh, very small. Does that make, you know? That yeah,
0: makes total sense. But given your sort of long history in the BDSM world and, you know, you've seen it from a period when, you know, dress code and having the right gear was, you know, the whole point of it all almost, to then be at a, cl- a fetish club where everyone's in a jockstrap and a harness, it's just such a, you must feel, oh, I miss the old days.
1: <laughs> well, we, but we, yeah. Kind of. I mean, there would be a point where I would go up and down the queue, and I'd be like, you're not getting in, you're not getting in, because they weren't making the effort. It was really important to us. i say, you're not getting in. Go over to the hoist, is what I used to say, (laughs) if you want to dress like that. But I can't do that anymore. It's just just not going to happen. The the younger guys don't have all the gear. In fact, I know that other fetish knights are, are doing really well because they don't have any dress code, and I can't go that far. The thing about having the dress code, it does uh, dictate that, you know, the kind of crowd I'm getting in terms of you know why you're coming to Hardon. You know why you're there. You're not coming there to have a dance. Well, you are, but you know what else is going on. Whereas maybe any other club that is around without a dress code, it might like, you know, don't touch me kind of thing.
0: No, it would change the energy totally. I agree. Yeah.
1: So I'm never going to not do one without a dress code.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think you're in a fairly unique position in terms of, being a bit of an objective observer of spaces where you know men are having sex and there's sort of that communal sexual energy as well. And I was just wondering sort of what insights that might have given you in terms of <laughs> men and masculinity. You know, you must know stuff.
1: I know how to get the boys going. What's that? Well, when I advertise a lot, I go straight for the sex bit. You know what I mean? I try and advertise as much sex as I can get away with like that. You know, people and people either like that or they don't. And, you know, people like it. Try try to be as sexy as we can with our advertising, with the guys on the flyer. Um, yeah, and making the night really comfortable for people. I don't know.
0: Does anything, I guess, surprise you about men and their relationship to sex or what men are looking for in terms of a, a night like dick. that? Yeah, I guess it's as dick. basic as that, isn't it? They just want to get some dick. Yeah. Yeah.
1: When they come to the front door, they're like, "Oh, I going to pay to get in. We're going to hurry up and get in." And I'm like, "Okay,
0: come down here. Here's the
1: money." Their clothes are half off by the time they get to the first the go check. So yeah, it's like that. Um, I don't know. I guess I could sit down and think about that.
0: You could write a thesis on this. I'm sure a
1: bloody book. <laughs> what about what about
0: yeah. uh, sort of first timers or guys who are a bit nervous when they're coming in? You must get a sense of guys who haven't been before. We do.
1: Yeah, we do get that. I mean, I would like to say if people are nervous or whatever, they could always email us and people do email me and they say what to expect. And I said, well, we're very friendly. Um, you know, you don't have to do the full fetish gear if you wear this kind of something sexy. And, you know, we have a dance floor and we have a play area. And, you know, you're free to do as you'd like. If you want to partake, partake. If you don't, you can hang around on the dance floor. or, yeah. I mean, what do I tell people? I tell them that. But well, we are very friendly. I'm very lucky. We're a very friendly club.
0: I think that's true, though. And often, because when you think about, like, hardcore sex party... It's
1: intimidating.
0: Yeah, it is intimidating. But Hard On has such a relaxed vibe that you can really just go and stand by the bar and figure it out while you work out what you want to do for the night.
1: Yeah, you can do. In fact, you just reminded me. So the ticket page that I sell has this review page, which drives me nuts. And there's a guy on there. I'm actually going to email him. And he went... He, he gave us a 1.5 out of 5, and he wrote Not For Me. And I feel like saying, <laughs> Well, you know what Harlan is about. Why did you even bother? And why are you making such a shitty comment? Yeah, why, on, uh, why bother
0: to leave her? A you review? know?
1: <laughs> yeah, why? You, you didn't like it? Okay, see you later. Um, why do you have to? You, t- you know, I take that really personally. He's like, Not For Me. Well, you know, we advertise what we are. <laughs> So, I, you know, if that's not your cup of tea, then why did you even waste your twenty-one pounds, whatever? <laughs> but anyway, so if, if you're a newbie, I just say it's a friendly crowd and come and just try it if you like it or whatever. Yeah, we're not gonna push you in the dark room and say bye on your knees. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: Now, you've been sort of in the front line of London's nightlife scene for, for decades now. And, and I guess you've been, sort of been part of the whole evolution It's really changed dramatically over the years. I was wondering, are you mm-hmm. feeling optimistic about the future of nightlife in London? What does the sort of future hold for hard on?
1: Well, future holds for hard on. I mean, if you're asking what I, I'm doing is that I would just like to maintain a great fetish party for people to have fun at. You know, that's what I'm trying to do. It is very competitive. There's loads of clubs opening and closing and this, but I just hope that we carry on giving people a really good time. That that's what's important to me. I wouldn't mind having a venue, but I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the nightlife's ever going to go away. I mean, London is a massive city. There's always going to be people that are going to want to party. We get a lot of people from Europe. A lot of Uh, people from america that are passing by you know that are passing through town
0: it must feel really good to have people coming from overseas coming to hard-on as a destination club because they they know the brand they know what you know what what they're looking for you know to to feel that you've reached that point where you're a, a landmark club in in the city of london that's a big deal
1: i am very happy i am i i i looked at the skittle page which tells you the the demographic where people are buying tickets from, because we had a party this Saturday. They were like Ireland, up north, you know, from up the north of England. So I thought, wow, people really do make an effort. It's hard to get to talk to people on the night when they're coming in, because we're so busy, frantic, you know, getting people in and then they disappear. So, you know, kind of go in the dark Hey, where are you from? <laughs> I'm doing a survey,
0: <laughs> I've just got a clipboard. I have some yeah. questions. <laughs> where are you from?
1: <laughs> people aren't interested in talking. So, uh, yeah, so I guess I just would like to carry on as we are maintaining a good, friendly, happy party is what I want, a dirty one too. Dirty
0: but happy, happy but dirty, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I guess my final question is if someone wanted to experience a hard the event but was feeling a bit apprehensive about it, what advice or guidance would you give them?
1: Well, you could always come with a friend. That always helps break this uh, And Get a friend to come along with you, then you won't be so nervous on your own or you know come along talk to us on the front desk if you like say that it's your first time or you know get yourself like a a jockstub and a little harness and your trainers and come along and just check it out and see whether you like it but i do say this is what goes on there's a dance floor there's a dark room there's a play area we have all this equipment there's a piss area so it's up to you you know if you like if that interests you
0: don't leave negative reviews
1: (laughs) it's not for me (laughs) I saw that today, I was like, dude, you must have not got any. You know what happens with this? uh, I find a a lot of times is that on the Monday, when people are leaving reviews, they probably didn't get all the attention that they wanted at the party. So they're going to be, they're going to leave these negative comments. I'm going to, and I'm like, no, like it's our fault. (laughs) (laughs) There's three or 400 men in the club. I'm sorry if you didn't get all the dick you wanted. What can we do? That's not my problem. (laughs) I tried to take it personally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this episode. You can find me on Twitter at GTV London. Today's guest has been Susie Kruger from Hard On. You can find Susie on Twitter at Hard on London. Stay naked, stay sexy, and we'll see you next time. Bye.